Today's scripture is from 2 Corinthians, verses 16 through 15. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has made up his mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, He has distributed freely and has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for all your generosity, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of his service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval for this service, they will glorify God because of your submission, flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them, they and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks to God for his inexpressible gift. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, This is our second in this series. And and so I'm just wondering how your time was in the word last week. Good? Was it a good reminder? Maybe I said the series is intended to put a rock in your shoe if you know Christ and say, all right, this spiritual discipline has been kind of going by the wayside, and so it needs to be shored up. And that's the point of uh, this whole series as we go through these different spiritual disciplines, these uh, uh, exercises, if you will, that you as a follower of Christ Uh, can engage in, and as you do, it helps you to grow in your walk with the Lord. I failed to mention a moment ago, you could be praying for Alan Michael. He was elected overwhelmingly last week, and he's preaching next door. His first kids' worship sermon here as our new children's minister, so you could be praying for him. Today we're talking about giving. And maybe you have never thought of giving as a spiritual discipline or as an act of worship, but it is both. Giving is uh, part of God's DNA. It's, uh, it's who he is. The uh, verse that people quote the most says, For God so loved the world that he what? Gave. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish but would have everlasting life. Last week I shared with you what God did in my heart in grad school and how I began to have a desire for the word of God for the first time in my life or began to fulfill a desire, a longing that I'd had for God's word uh, since I'd come to Christ, but I began to fulfill it. Let me tell you something that came right along with that, Uh, a desire to give. Uh, Something happened in me, and I was poor as dirt, all right? So I was in grad school, poor as dirt, uh, and made, I was a a graduate assistant. I think I made about $700 a month. 
uh, somewhere along that lines, 700 bucks a month, and my rent, uh, uh, three of us uh, split up an apartment so we could afford it. And so my rent was about 250 of that 700 bucks. I'd have gas and had to have food. So I worked two jobs uh, uh, in the summer, and then once school started, I could only work one. So I worked at Piggly Wiggly Grocery Store. I wore the shirt with the little pig on it for uh, quite some time and worked at Piggly Wiggly Grocery Store, uh, and, uh, and I ate more than my fair share of Piggly Wiggly four-for-a-dollar soup in that year. Uh, chicken uh, with rice and chicken noodle. I ate so much soup uh, because it was cheap. But God began to do a work in my heart, and when he did, the work in my heart involved giving, and it made no sense. Let me tell you why it made no sense. I attended a very large church of a couple of thousand people at the time, and their budget was unbelievable to me. There was so much money. And so uh, just, just being practical, how could my 70 bucks a month make a difference. I'm sure that in the counting room, it didn't come through. Maybe they saw my name. That would get attention. It always has. Maybe they thought, oh, Jerry Lewis is uh, here. Uh, So maybe they saw that. But my monthly check for 60 or 70 bucks, however much it was, was a drop in the bucket to their budget, which was about $4 million a year at the time. So how in the world would it make any difference? It didn't. Like, honestly, I I should, you know, I could easily not give, and they'd never miss it, right? So the 70 bucks a month, that wasn't the point. There was something that God began to do in me as I got into his word, and his word got into me, that somehow his word made it past my heart and, and down to my wallet. It was pretty wild. And so as it did, I began to give. Paul here uh, writes to the church in Corinth, and this is early in the life of the church, all right? This is first century stuff, and he gives uh, uh, four uh, kind of principles, how to give, how not to give, what God does for giving, and what giving does for God. All right, so that's what we're going to talk about this morning, how to give. Here's what he says. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. All right, that word bountiful is interesting. It's an interesting word. It's the word from which we get our English word eulogy. Isn't that interesting? Eulogia in the Greek is the word, and it's the word that we get our word eulogy from. So, what is a eulogy? A eulogy are words that are said in our uh, culture when someone dies. So, when someone dies, we say kind things. We give words of blessing. The word eulogy literally means blessing, to, 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 to give uh, uh, how to give, you give bountifully. You give with blessing. All right, so you give with words of blessing. So here's the question then who gets the eulogy? All right, if there is a eulogy when you give, who gets the eulogy? Who do you think, church? Somebody say it. So, Doris, great student out down front, right? Is who? God. 
Like God gets the eulogy. You, you say these kind words to and about God when you give. So, so giving is a blessing, a, a, a eulogy to God. Every single time you give, do you know what you're able to do? You're able to bless God. You're able to say these things, give bountifully, give with a eulogy attached. Verse 7, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. All right, so that means there's absolutely no room for, for you know, bending of the arm. There's no room for a, a pastor or somebody on television to make these wild and crazy promises to you that if you sow a $1,000 seed, God will bless it 10,000 times or whatever. All right, so there is, it's not that. It's not something that's compulsory. It's not something that you feel guilty about. I said last week, and I'll say it again today, the point of today's sermon, the point of last week's sermon isn't to make you feel guilty, all right? So I could put you on a guilt trip. I'm a parent, all right? So I know how to do that. I could put you on a guilt trip, and it may last until you get out the door. Guilt trips are short-lived, all right? They last for not very long. Uh, the, the point of this whole series is to see these graces of God work in you. And the joy of preaching this is I'm preaching to a giving church. I'm preaching to people who love to give. You love to give, and I love how you love to give. I love your generous hearts. I love how your hearts spill over for people in need and for places in need and for opportunities God gives wonderfully through you. So how do you give? You give with a eulogy, with blessings, and you give cheerfully. You give cheerfully. Do you know that word? It's a cool word, too, in the Greek. It, it's, it's pronounced hilarious in the Greek. You give hilariously, all right? All right, so the offering ought to be the, the, the time where there's the most laughter, right? Like, <laughs> we get to give. You know, that's the word. It's hilarious. And so you give cheerfully. You know, you don't do that if somebody's kind of got your arm behind your back and, you know, doing this number, all right, so if somebody's saying, hey, this is what you need to do, and so they put your arm behind your back and make you say, uncle, you're not smiling. All right, you're not smiling at all. I, I recall being in uh, 11th grade, I think, or 10th grade in high school in Don Smith's chemistry class. Some of you had Don Smith for chemistry, if you're old like me. I turned 47 today, so I'm really old. And so I was in Don Smith's class. And I'm sitting there, and many of you know I'm prone to pass out, all right? Don't know why, just been that way for all my life. And so I'm prone to pass out. And so uh, Teddy McIntyre is sitting behind me, and he's sitting behind me, and uh, uh, he, uh, or he's sitting beside me. This guy's sitting behind me, and he grabs my arm behind me and pushes it up just like that all of a sudden. And when he did, guess what? I felt a passing out coming on. Like, I know when they're coming. And so I looked over at Teddy, who was sitting beside me, and I said, Teddy, I'm about to pass out. And he said, no, you're not. I said, watch me. 
It's coming. I'm telling you, it's on its way. And no lie, within 30 seconds, I'd hit the floor. The class, everything had changed. And when I came to, they were carrying me out, and the cold air had hit my face. And I, I got back in there, and Teddy looked at me, and he said, you're an idiot. I said, listen, I told you, you didn't believe me that I was about to pass out. Why did I do that? Well, I don't know. I, I'm a wimp, uh, maybe. Uh, but that trauma of that just did it to me. That's not the point of a sermon on giving. It's not to induce trauma and to cause you to go, oh, I'm, not, this is, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. It's not that. The point is to shine the light of the gospel on this in your life. And so for me in grad school, when God began to work and I began to read the word and I began to pray, giving just came natural. It just came natural. And every month I got paid once a month and I would get the check and I would write it every single month. And it was a natural thing. It wasn't burdensome for me. I could do it with great praise to God. Why? I told you last week that I lay on that sofa and I looked at the ceiling and I said, God, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you're doing, but I know I need you. And he answered that prayer. And he didn't have to. And he was so gracious to do that for me. He was so wonderful to answer that prayer for me. He was so kind to do that. And the least I can do is to give to him. It's such a joy. It was just such a joy to me as a, as a grad school student. So how to give? Give bountifully and cheerfully. How not to give? Sparingly, reluctantly, or under compulsion. So how not to give? Sparingly. Now, uh, Paul uses the metaphor of sowing seeds. So here's how it works. Let me give you quickly three rules, not in my notes, but three rules of sowing. All right, you reap what you sow, you reap after you sow, and you reap more than you sow. All right, these are three rules of sowing. You reap what you sow, you reap after you sow, and you reap more than you sow. Remember that movie, I think it was called, it was something about lions, something about lions and these two old men. I can't remember the name of it right now, but what was it? Secondhand lions, all right? So movie from years ago, these two old codgers, right? They're just old miserly dudes, and this little kid's introduced into their world. And so these miserly guys introduced into this world, uh, uh, this little kid's world, and it starts to change their miserly ways. And so all these salesmen would come by trying to sell them stuff they'd never, ever buy. And finally, the kid convinced them to buy some seeds. All right, so he convinced them to buy some seeds, and so they bought seeds. And they went out and planted a garden. All right, so they plant a garden, and here's carrots and celery and, and uh, just down the line, lettuce and everything in the garden, green beans. Uh, they, they planted all the seeds just and, and labeled the rows, row by row by row. Well, if you watch the movie, you know what happened. If you've not seen it, spoiler alert. Uh, if you watch the movie, you know what happened. Here's what happened. They go out, and the boy's standing with the two old codgers, and their stuff is coming up. And you see the nice sticks at the end of the row. And they even have pictures of carrots and celery and everything. But everything looks the same. It all looks the same. And so they, they're, they're out there hoeing the weeds out of their, all of their stuff. And finally, the little boy looks up at them and he says, what's wrong here? Well, in all those packets labeled differently, there were corn seeds. And every one, all they have was corn. And there's this great scene in the movie where the, where the, where the boy or the old man once says, corn, corn, corn. That's all they had. Why? Because you reap what you sow, 
Every time you reap what you sow, you will never reverse that natural law. Whatever you put into the ground is what comes up. And so they have planted all corn, and corn comes up. You reap, what, you reap what you sow, you reap more than you sow, and you reap after you sow. How do you reap more than you sow? I grew up uh, growing uh, gardens all the time. If you put three kernels in the ground, you get three stalks that come up. If you don't thin them out, we used to thin them. If you don't thin them out, those three stalks will produce a number of ears of corn, which will have all those seeds on it, right? You reap more than you sow. And guess what? You have to wait. You reap after you sow. Uh, if uh, Farmers have to be the most patient people on the planet, don't they? Why? Because they plant and they wait. And they pray for rain like today or maybe not too much like today. Uh, they wait and they wait for it to come up and for to get a right amount of sunshine, right amount of fertilizer, that kind of thing. So how not to give sparingly. Oh, if you just plant one or two seeds, you'll just get a little bit of food to eat. If you plant a lot of seeds, you'll get a lot of food to eat. Don't, uh, uh, don't uh, uh, give reluctantly. Uh, say, it, okay, well, I know I should give, but I don't want to give it away. Or under compulsion because somebody has made you do it. Uh, I ran across a story this week. A mom gave her child a, a $1 bill and a quarter and told her, said, you can give whichever you want. You can give the dollar or the quarter away. And uh, so as they were going home from church, the mom said to her little girl, well, what did you give? And, and she said, well, at first I was going to give the dollar, but the man in the pulpit said, God loves a cheerful giver. And so I decided I'd be more cheerful if I gave the quarter. <clears throat> well, that's true. God loves a cheerful giver. And so uh, you need to give cheerfully. Whatever you give, give it with a smile on your heart. You may realize we haven't done the offering yet. It's for obvious reasons. It's the practical application of today's sermon is to give, right? And so, uh, so uh, how to give? Uh, give with, with a eulogy. Give joyfully how not to give, uh, sparingly, reluctantly, under compulsion. Um, if you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. I remember this as a kid. Uh, we planted every year two kinds of green beans, we planted uh, half runners, and we planted uh, greasy cut shorts. All right, those were the two kinds. Now, why do we do that? I never liked greasy cut shorts ever in my life. I never liked them, don't like the taste, love half runners, but my dad loved greasy cut shorts, and my mom loved greasy cut shorts. And here's the interesting thing. We never had a lot of seed of greasy cut shorts. We just never did because they were so rare. You see, greasy cut shorts were a rare kind of bean that you just couldn't get a lot of seeds of. But half runners, you could go any seed store, buy a half runner seed. And every single year, I remember as a kid, I was planting seed. And when they come up, my dad would say, now listen, we're going to save those two or three stalks for seed for next year. We, we're not going to eat those. Those beans are for seed for next year. And sure enough, they would be set aside, taken care of, and that would be our seed for next year. Dad planted, uh, not sparingly, but bountifully. He saved enough seed so that we could continue to have greasy cut shorts. And sure enough, we sold a lot of beans and potatoes and things like that, helped supplement mom and dad's income. And sure enough, if you go to the market with a bushel of uh, half runners, back in my day, 15 bucks. Go to the market with a bushel of uh, greasy cut shorts, 30 bucks. Yeah, they're just so much more valuable. People like them more. And so I was glad because we sold them and I didn't have to eat them. Um, <laughs> I just never liked them. 
All right, so, so uh, how to give, how not to give. Uh, what does God do for giving? I love this. If you write in your Bibles, verse 8, underline the first four words, and God is able. And God is able. Uh, Paul says to this uh, church at Corinth who's taken up an offering for believers in Jerusalem, he says, and God is able. Um, uh, What is God able to do to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times you may abound in every good work? Do you know what you ought to do? If you write in your Bibles, underline every time you see the word all or every. Let me read it again. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. I want you, I want you to hear me on something today. If we are able, if you vote and we go to East Marian Baptist, the only reason it will work is because God makes it happen. Amen? We humbly recognize that here. The only reason that we're able to do anything we're able to do at this church is because God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. What does God do for giving? Uh, God makes you able to give. All right, I want you to hear me something. We are a bunch of self-made people uh, in this country. But please hear me. Please hear me. I make my living largely from my brain. That's how I make my living. I study all week. I teach as an adjunct. I, if my brain goes, I can't do my job. I know that. If I ever were to have a traumatic head injury, I'm done. I can't do my job. I understand that. If that ever were to happen. There are some of you, you make your living largely from your physical ability to work. And if you were ever maimed physically, immediately, You would have to figure something out because you couldn't do your job. Let me tell you something money cannot buy. The ability of my brain to do my job, the ability of your body to stay healthy. If you have health in this place, who gave it to you? God. If you have a brain, who gives that to you? God. My only capacity, I must remember your capacity to earn every dime you earn comes from God. He gives you that. If he didn't, you couldn't. If he didn't, you couldn't. The only exception to that rule is if, that I know of, is if you get money, inherit it some other way, and it comes to you. But then you've got to have the capacity or hire somebody to make sure you don't lose it all. Right? James says, every good thing given and every perfect gift comes where? From God. Everything, God does this. Now, how does he do it? I love uh, the way it's uh, written here. Uh, God is able to make all grace abound to you as it is written. He is distributed freely. He is given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. All right, so here's what I want, you, I want all of us to remember. We're all born naked like everybody else, right? We're so helpless. And unless uh, our mom, dad steps in, somebody does, we're in a heap of trouble. All right, we're going to make a mess of everybody. Um, Verse 10 says, here's how God does. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply, multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. So how does God do it? 
uh, what, God, what does God do for giving? He supplies. He supplies seed for you to sow. All right, he supplies seed for you to sow. It's important that there are two metaphors here that we can't miss. All right, here's the deal. Uh, I'm so thankful that I grew up planting gardens. Why? Because every single time, every single seed that we ever sowed that produced green beans or corn or whatever it produced died. Every one of them did. Every one. As a matter of fact, you can ask you know, our resident uh, uh, biology prof over here, if seeds don't die, things don't grow. They have to. Now, the way God has designed giving is you have to let it go and let it die, and God will raise it to life. That's interesting. Is he provides seed, not the harvest. He provides the seed. All right, so the focus is on the seed, and the only way that you could do it is to give. You, you have to let go. The seed is sown. The seed dies, and when the seed dies, the rains come, the sun comes, all of that is up to God, and a harvest is produced. Giving requires surrender. You can't give until you're surrendered. You, you, you can't give and control. You have to give and surrender. And that's, that's what's interesting. But here's the other metaphor. It comes from the word. The word supply here is, is another cognate, a word that sounds like it does in the English and the Greek. And uh, it's, it's the word we get uh, chorus from. So in Paul's day, there would be these choruses that would sing and act. And they would uh, back up like a play. And those choruses that would sing and act, the only way they could do their job was if somebody supplied them financially. And that person was called a corageo or a corageo. C-H-O-R-A-G-E-O. It was an interesting job. And, and what the person would do is they completely provided financially for that chorus to happen. So be a wealthy business owner, somebody in town who liked the arts, and so they would foot the bill. They would pay for it. They were never on stage. They were never seen. Nobody, the, the, cor, the corrigio never acted in the play, never sang in the chorus. He simply sat in the background, and as the play was going on, it was his money that made it happen. All right, that's the word here. That's the word here. Isn't that interesting? That God has never seen. The only time he's seen is through you. Right? That's he's seen through creation. He's seen through you. And so he's seen through you. He's in the background. He's, he's supplying everything in order for you to sing, in order for you to worship, in order for you to give, in order for us to go to all over the world. God's providing it. He's sitting in the background. Everybody's looking at us. And, uh, and God gives what we need in order to make it happen. Wow. What a cool picture and a word Paul used on purpose. So what does God do for giving? Well, he's able, he provides, he supplies. Number four, what God gets from giving. All right, so here's a really cool thing. Uh, that Corrigio who provided, every time a play was put on, there were two people who were thanked, specifically, sometimes three. There was the director, the playwright, and the Corrigio. All three of them got the credit. Uh, the director, the playwright, and the Corrigio. Of course, everybody applauded the actors on the stage, you know, and they did their, their bows and that kind of thing. But everybody in town knew who the Corrigio was. As a matter of fact, if he had happened to come to that play on the way out, do you know what they do? They pass him and thank him. 
Because if he hadn't given, they wouldn't have sung. What does giving do for God? It sends up praise to him. Right? There's not, a, there's not a chorus singer on the stage who can say, oh, I had the money to put, put myself, you have the most beautiful voice on the planet, but if there's not a coro geo footing the bill, there's going to be no concert. And we can be so gifted and we can have so much all together and we can use all the talent and ability we have, but if there's not a God somewhere providing all of that, guess what? There's no concert. There's no worship. There's no ministry. There's no work that is done. God is this divine Corrigio who's sitting in the background, who's providing our health, who's providing our mental capacity, who's providing your earning capacity, who's giving you the capacity to do what you do and to give as you give so that God's work can go as it does. Do you know how often, honestly, I pray for your businesses all the time. Why? Because God uses you, so many of you, on your own businesses in this place. And you just week after week have to make the bottom line week after week after week. And it isn't easy. I've talked to many of you and I pray that God will bless you because you're such a blessing to so many people. God uses you as you serve him, and you're a faithful steward. You're such a blessing to so many people. But here, none of us gets the credit. Only God does. Amen? He's the Corrigio. He's the guy in the background. He's the guy who's foot the bill, who's, who's handled every single thing. How do we see that here? Listen, for the ministry of this service... Uh, verse 11 says, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. So God's going to bless you so you can be generous so people can thank God. Don't miss that. God's going to bless you so you can be generous so people can thank God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. For by their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks be to who? God for his inexpressible gift. What giving does for God is bring glory to him. All right, so here's how we're going to end. We were going to end with a song, and we're going to, uh, we're going to take the song off. I want to share some things with you going on, that are going on as you give. But here's what I want you to do right now. Bow your heads everywhere you are. Bow your heads. And as you do, as you do, as you bow your heads before you give, if you say, Jerry, I only give on certain Sundays, didn't come prepared to give, that's fine. Before you give today, eulogy. Would you bless God? Would you just right now bless him? Bless him. Bless him and thank him.